హలో అర్త్లింగ్స్ అండ్ వెల్కమ్ బ్యాక్ టు అస్ట్రోనామీ విత్ దీషా సీజన్ టూ ఎపిసోడ్ సిక్స్ వీ హెవ్ బిన్ టాకింగ్ అబౌట్ డార్క్ మ్యాటర్ డార్క్ ఎనర్జీ ఫర్ త్రీ మంత్స్ నౌ అండ్ దిస్ మంత్ ఇట్స్ ద ఎండ్ ఆఫ్ ఇట్ ఆల్ ఆల్సో నాట్ ది ఎండ్ ఆఫ్ ద మిస్ట్రీ దాట్ బిగ్ బ్యాంగ్ అండ్ డార్క్ మ్యాటర్ డార్క్ ఎనర్జీ ప్రపోజెస్ ఫర్ అస్ టు సాల్వ్ as in last month i have been reading to you the expanding universe chapter 4 from a little book about the big bang written by tony rothman and i told you that i have the half of the chapter left i'll be doing the same today so let's get going Before I start reading out the rest of the portion of the expanding universe if you are new to the channel and you have not heard the previous episode where I've been reading the first part of the expanding universe you will have to do so in order to understand this episode in better depth anyway let's start At this juncture you might ask are galaxies themselves expanding are you and i expanding no you and i are not expanding except perhaps through dietary habits because electromagnetic forces are holding our bodies together is the solar system expanding the usual answer is no The gravitational attraction of the sun holds the solar system together and prevents it from expanding with the universe. Similarly, galaxies themselves are bound by gravity and do not expand. At larger scales, things become less clear, but at approximately the scale of superclusters, which can be a billion light years across, the force of gravity becomes insufficient to bind objects together against the universe's expansion only parts of superclusters may have may be gravitationally bound and the superclusters as a whole may participate in the expansion of the universe The reason superclusters are larger structures in the universe is because anything larger would not have formed a structure at all. The universe's expansion prevents it from coalescing. So, uh, you know, superclusters are the largest structures in the universe because anything larger would not have formed at all. Why? Because the universe's expansion prevents that, you know, that thing from coalescing that's what he mentioned here let's now run this entire chapter in reverse so a uh, gentle note of reminder the episode prior to this episode has actually concluded on dark matter dark energy mostly and in this episode we'll be concluding the rest part of it while actually going back to big bang a bit for reference moving on 
if all galaxies are receding from each other it is a fair presumption though not a foregone conclusion that at some moment in the past this expansion began the event that started off the universal expansion is what we call the big bang a term coined by astronomer fred hoel in 1949 so fred hoel coined the term big bang the big bang was not a bang in the conventional sense no one would have heard anything even had anyone been around to listen because you know space vacuum so yeah it is also incorrect to imagine the big bang as a conventional explosion that took place in an already existing room if there is no exterior to the universe then there was no room for the universe to explode into space time as we know it came into existence at the big bang finally it is often said that at the instant of the big bang all matters of the universe was concentrated at a single point which must be the center because the universe does not have a center this idea cannot be correct again he moves on to say that this idea cannot be correct without any proof the rubber band can help sort this out as assume that the band is already stretched and that a b c and d e, are far apart relax the band until all the dots move back to their original position the time for all the dots to return to their original position is the age of the universe since the big bang hubble's law tells us that the distance each galaxy crosses is d is equal to v by h but the distance the galaxy crosses is just its velocity multiplied by the travel time d is equal to vt so from this two equations we get vt is equal to v by h implying that t is equal to 1 by h the inverse of the hubble constant is known as the hubble age because it is giving t and is the approximate time elapsed since the big bang nothing here required all the dots to be at a single location what's more if we imagine the rubber band to be infinitely long with an infinite number of dots a b c d e f g blah 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 we are required to accept that the rubber band big bang took place everywhere along this one dimensional surface it is correct to say that at the instant of the big bang all the matter in the observable universe was concentrated at a single point the observable universe however is not the entire universe the distance that light has traveled since the big bang is termed the cosmological horizon and as its name implies we cannot see anything beyond it we are permitted to say that at the instant of the big bang everything within the cosmological horizon 
was concentrated at the point. Astronomers have devised many techniques for measuring the Hubble's constant that are much more sophisticated than measuring the distances to galaxies. The difficulty is that these methods do not all agree. For now, let me say only that the age of the universe, the time since the Big Bang, is not quite 14 billion years or to be precise 13.7 billion. General relativity's prescription to describe the entire cosmos stripped to essentials in this. Determine the contents of the universe and how they are distributed? Let the equation of general relativity tell you the universe evolves in what manner. That may be general relativity's prescription, but it was not Einstein's. As mentioned earlier, Einstein believed the universe to be static, non-expanding. He forced his equations to produce such a universe by adding an extra term on mathematical grounds. The infamous cosmological constant, again, if you have been through dark matter, dark energy, diff 2, you already know what cosmological constant is. It was a pure fudge factor. Once the universe's expansion was established, Einstein discarded it as, quote-unquote, the greatest blunder of his life. In retrospect, adding the constant seems a strange move. If a firework rocket exploded in outer space, the cloud of particles would initially expand rapidly. And if the fireworks particles were massive enough, the expansion of the cloud would gradually slow down due to the particles' mutual gravitational attraction. Depending on the particle mass, the cloud might eventually start contracting. One thing it would never do is stand still. So Einstein was totally wrong on this. In the same way, applying the equations of general relativity to the cosmos without fudging shows that it is dynamic. A universe without any fudge factor will automatically expand or contract at a rate determined by the density of its contents. This indeed is the primary way in which general relativity reveals the effect of gravity in determining the expansion rate of the universe. But just as Newtonian physics does not tell us how many fireworks to load into the rocket or what should be their composition, general relativity lifts up in the ingredients for any proposed universe. Once they are specified, gravity takes over and guides the evolution of the model. In 1922, Alexander Friedman, a Russian meteorologist, produced just the dynamic cosmos from Einstein's equations. Because Einstein was reluctant to accept an evolving universe, it is actually Friedman's model 
that has provided the mathematical basis for the Big Bang Theory. The important feature of Friedman's universe is that it is as simple as a cosmological model can get. It assumes that the universe's contents are uniformly distributed and our predicted expansion is uniform. That is, happening at the same rate everywhere. Friedman's main equation shows exactly how the expansion rate of the universe, the Hubble's constant, depends on its contents. The Hubble constant measured by astronomers in is actually today's cosmological expansion rate, which is technically only a constant at this instant when you read this sentence. Generally, as the universe expands, the distance of its contents decreases, and with it, the expansion rate does too. The matter in the universe determines the geometry of space. Density of matter in the universe exists a certain critical value, which is about 10 to the power minus 29 gram per cubic centimeter, say 10 hydrogen atom per cubic, cent- cubic meter. Then, like the massive firework rocket, the expansion rate in Friedman's model will slow to zero and eventually become negative. The universe will re-collapse. Such a universe is generally referred to as closed and its spatial geometry is the geometry of a spherical balloon. So as you can understand, that kind of universe is actually a spherical balloon sort of. If the density is less than the critical value, the universe's geometry resembles an infinitely large potato chip on which nearby parallel lines diverge and it will expand forever. Such a model is generally termed open. As mentioned before, the the real universe seems to be flat exactly on the border between open and closed with an expansion rate decreasing until finally becoming zero at infinite the universe just really creeps towards forever so what we gather from here is that there are many kinds of uh, geometrical shape of the universe and it depends on the density our universe is a is like you know bridge between open and closed type of universe and hence is a bit different if the expansion rate decreases towards the future then it increases towards the past indeed at the instant of the big bang it was infinite From this part, we gather a nice understanding of the importance of Big Bang in case of, you know, expanding universe, dark matter, dark energy, and all that concluded into a fine possibility 
that during the time of Big Bang, there was, you know, it was the value was infinite, the expansion rate, which is possibly true. So, what I will be doing is somewhat exciting or not, I'm not sure, but from Astronomy with Disha's part, I will be mailing Tony Rothman for asking about what kind of proof does he have to be able to state directly that universe has no boundary, there is nothing outside the universe, and that universe has no center. I will do that and let you know what happened in next episode. Stay tuned. I will keep open the comment box as well as I have the email ID, the official email ID of Astronomy Vidisha up in the description. Anyone can ping me up in you know the comment box or send me a mail if you have any question regarding the whole series of dark matter and dark energy i hope you had fun and you understood the concepts behind it and you enjoyed this is the end of the four month long dark matter dark energy series and concluding This podcast is brought to you by Disha. Keep an eye for upcoming episodes. Thank you.